taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children, 200,000 because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. You say, you talk about welcoming those crossing our border, seeking protection. You're welcoming drug dealers across our border. You're giving them protection. You're not protecting our children. A mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. The interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> How can he sit there and joke about it? You know, he thought he was with a room full of Democrats and, you know, he, he's amongst friends and they could all yuck it up. Uh, what kind of a person does that? Welcome to Cheese. It's Friday, March 3rd, 2023. And that was a mother, Rebecca Kiesling. She lost two children to fentanyl. And we heard Biden's response to her tries to joke about it. Well, the drugs came in under the Trump administration. Ha, 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 ha. Just total disregard for the American people, total disregard for the southern border where this fentanyl is coming in. And Biden couldn't care less. He couldn't care less about you. He couldn't care less about me. He couldn't care less about the middle class in this country, the working class in this country. And this is just another example. First example, most recent example was East Palestine. Instead of visiting the poor people in East Palestine, he went off to Ukraine to give even more money to Ukraine to further kill Ukrainians. But this is just typical. I mean, for any of my new viewers, just go to episode one, listen to episode one. Kind of outlines my whole synopsis of what's been going on with this country for the past 40 years, maybe a little longer. And Biden's been overseeing this since he's been in office, since the 70s. They have total disregard for the middle class. They have total disregard for the working class. I take that back. They dislike you. And this is just another example. Oh, who cares? Oh, they just die. A couple, of, a couple of middle class kids, a couple of working class kids die from uh, drugs. Who cares? Who cares if we get in a war in Ukraine? It's not my kids that are going to fight. It's going to be these working class people, the unclean, the middle class people. They don't care if we get in a war with Russia. No skin off of their back. Their sons and daughters, they won't be serving. It's going to be the working class. It's going to be the middle class. They have total disrespect for you. And this is another indication of that. And then I'm a little surprised at Shannon Breen. Shannon Bream, I was listening to, I think it was a radio show to, earlier today. It was, the, it was the Brian Kilmeade show. She was on the Brian Kilmeade. They were chatting back and forth for a couple of minutes. And she was flying cover for Biden. She says, uh, essentially, oh, I can't imagine that after losing Bo Biden, Joe Biden would be so insensitive to uh, losing children. Well, Shannon Bream, you're wrong. He couldn't care less about Rebecca Kiesling's children. He only cares about his children. He doesn't care about the American people's children. He cares about his children and those uh, children of the swamp creatures. That's it. 
Now, speaking of swamp creatures, I'm going to play a couple of clips. <laughs> and the one thing, the one thing I liked about the Fox interview of Chris Ray, the FBI director, Chris Ray, was the things that a lot of people didn't pick up. And one of the things he didn't pick up was Brett Baer asked him a question about, well, you know, the FBI, they don't poll well. A lot of people don't trust the FBI. They don't like the FBI. And let's go to this clip because Ray's response is interesting. And essentially what his response is, is I don't care. I don't work for these people. I got to people. I got to keep the people I work for happy, the swamp people, not the American people. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. You know, polls show that the FBI's reputation is at a real record low. What do you make of that? Well, look, there are all sorts of opinions out there about the FBI, just like there are about every major institution these days. I can tell you that we're focused on the opinions of the people we actually do the work for and the people we do the work with. So why didn't Brett Baird follow up with, well, who are the people that you work for? I was a little disappointed in the interview by Baird. He asked some good questions, but no follow-up. And Ray's response on this should have elicited a question by Baird saying, well, who are the people you work for? They take an oath to the Constitution. Not a small cabal of people in Washington. And this guy, Ray, is so arrogant. He goes, yeah, that's who I work for. I don't work for the American people. I work for these knuckleheads in Washington. Although he doesn't see them as knuckleheads. He sees some people that can keep his career going. And that's what it's all about with a guy like Ray. Now, Ray is a Chris Christie guy. He was uh, recommended by Chris Christie to Donald Trump. And it tells a lot. You know, if he is a Christie guy, he's just going to mislead, do anything just to maintain the power. And I remember during the whole Bridgegate scandal where Christie's minions shut down some of the arteries going to the George Washington Bridge in Fort Lee, New Jersey, because they had a problem with the mayor of Fort Lee. And a public official told something very interesting to me that I still remember today. It was very simple. And we were talking about the whole Bridgegate scandal and whether Christie was involved. And he said something, you know, whether they can get Christie's fingerprints on this thing could be difficult. However, Christie's a bully, and that bully mentality is going to trickle down to his minions. And that's what we have here. Your leadership in, the wa in Washington, your leadership at the FBI, is going to send a message to all the people that work under him. And this is part of the problem with the FBI today. It's all about currying favor with those in the C-suites. And you got a bureaucrat as the director of FBI that's only about keeping the people in Washington happy. Not the American people, the real people that he works for. And then Ray's got the nerve to say <laughs> the following answer. I'm going to play this clip. So Baird asked him, well, listen, there's, there's a perception that there's a two-tiered judicial system in this country. And Ray's response is, well... I find that most people that don't agree with my decisions feel that it's a two-tiered system. And this is typical. I'm always right. People that disagree with me are wrong. And that's very scary if you're a part of the judicial system. And it just shows his arrogance. It really shows his bias. And then he has the nerve to say, well, he goes back to, well, if you don't forget, I've got to adhere to the Constitution. So use people that disagree with me. Now I'm protecting the Constitution. Whereas earlier in the interview, he says, well, I only have to keep the people I work for happy, not the American people. But now when he's criticized, he's going to 
hide behind the Constitution. See how slippery these guys are and arrogant? I'm always right. And if you think there's a two-tiered system, it's only because you don't like my decisions. And then he hides behind the Constitution. So let's play this clip. Because what I have found in today's world is that far too many people use as their standard for whether they think something was fair or objective, whether it's an FBI investigation, whether it's a Supreme Court decision, or even an election, is whether they like the result, whether their side won or lost. But that's, that's not how independence and objectivity work. We are not on either side. The FBI is on the American people's side, on the Constitution's side. Oh, this is so rich. He goes after parents that show up at Board of Education meetings to protect their children. They send two dozen FBI agents to a poor guy in Pennsylvania because he was protecting his kid outside an abortion clinic. We have the FBI agents slow walking the investigation of bombings of helping hand centers. Oh yeah, but I'm here to protect the Constitution. Now, you're here to protect the interests of the swamp, and you said it early in the interview. You're here to protect the people that you work for, and you are the new Stasi. You will go after the political enemies of the people you work for, and you said it, Christopher Ray, not me. And I want to go to another clip with Christopher Ray. Now, look, I am spending a lot of time on Chris Ray. He is a key figure in this weaponization of our institutions. Him and Merrick Garland are two key figures in how our government institutions have been weaponized. And it's pretty scary when it involves law enforcement. So the clip I'm going to play is Brett Baird asked him about the Twitter files and the Twitter files expose the FBI and other government security institutions influencing and essentially telling Twitter, oh, you got to ban this one. Take a look at this one. You should ban this one. Ban this account. We don't like this account. Ban this one. So Brett Baer asked him, well, what was this all about? You're, you're telling Twitter who to ban, who not to ban? And listen to Chris Ray's response. He's like, well, we don't tell anybody what to do. So let me play this, and then we'll come back and discuss. The FBI does not and is not in the business of functioning as the truth police. Understood. So we don't tell social media companies to censor anything. Well, then Brett Baer pushes back. He goes, well, wait a second. You had the Hunter Biden laptop. And at the same time, you were telling tech companies before the election, oh, be on the lookout for Russian informa- disinformation. And it's likely to be about Hunter Biden. And it's likely to come out in October. And all these other emails that came out from FBI agents to Twitter saying, oh, take a look at this. You should take this account down. You may want to take a look at this account. And here's what a swirly guy Ray is. Let me give you his response to what Bear brings up. Is it appropriate in any way? You're saying it doesn't happen, but there's evidence that it had. We don't tell social media companies to ban accounts. But you suggest. Well, what we do is tell social media companies about information that we have about foreign disinformation campaigns by foreign actors, by foreign intelligence services. And those companies then make decisions about what, if anything, they want to do about it. I mean, this is just misleading behavior by the FBI director. Earlier in the interview, he says, oh, we never tell big tech what to do. 
And then Bear comes back and, well, actually you did. And then Ray comes back, okay, you caught me. We don't tell them what to do, but we suggest to them what they should do. Oh, really, a suggestion from the FBI. You think that a big tech company is going to do anything contrary to what the FBI suggests? With all the power that the FBI has, with all the laws behind them, I'm sure they can find half a dozen laws that Twitter broke if they wanted to go after Twitter. And the executives knew that at Twitter. So they're going to do anything that the FBI asks of them because they have the heavy hand. And you got Ray out there saying, we never tell them what to do. Oh, no, I take that back. We don't tell them. We just suggest. Yeah, that's how mobsters act. Okay, there's so much more Chris Ray that came out this week, but I want to switch to Merrick Garland, the other swamp operative that's weaponized our institutions. And I'm going to play a clip at a recent hearing, and Ted Cruz goes after him. He makes a wonderful point. So let's go to this clip. Essentially, it has to do with why the Department of Justice didn't file charges against people that were protesting out of all the Supreme Court justices' homes. And it's clear, it's illegal. It is clearly illegal for these people to protest outside of Supreme Court justices' homes. And Merrick Garland chose not to do anything against these protesters. Now, he makes a claim, well, I put marshals outside their homes. Well, why didn't you just follow the law and file charges against those people protesting? Because it's a clear, clear violation of the law. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back. In my judgment, the Department of Justice has been politicized to the greatest extent I've ever seen in this country. Let me start with a simple question. General Garland, is it a federal crime to protest outside of a judge's home with the intent of influencing that judge as to a pending case? Uh, The answer to that is yes. But in the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision, when rioters descended at the homes of six Supreme Court justices, night after night after night, you did nothing. The department did nothing. When extremist groups like Ruth Senas and Jane's Revenge openly organized campaigns of harassment at the homes of justices, you sat on your hands. When these same groups posted online information about where the justices worship or their home addresses, or where their kids went to school, you again sat on your hands and did nothing. Your failure to act to protect the safety of the justices and their families was an obvious product of political bias. You agree with Roe versus Wade. You disagree with the Dobbs decision. And the Department of Justice under this president was perfectly happy to refuse to enforce the law and allow threats of violence. And as you know, those threats finally materialized with Nicholas Roski, a 26-year-old man from California who traveled across the country, was arrested outside the home of Justice Kavanaugh, armed with a handgun, a knife, and burglary tools. And he said he came there to kill Justice Kavanaugh because he was enraged by the leaked opinion. Now, of course, you're prosecuting that individual for attempted murder. But did you bring even a single case to enforce this law? Or did the Department of Justice decide this law doesn't apply if it's harassing justices for an opinion we don't like? 
Try again. And Have you, has the Department of Justice brought even a single case under this statute? It's a yes, no question. It's not a give a speech on the other things you did. And that's our number one priority. They have. Why are you unwilling to say no? The answer is no. You know it's no. I know it's no. Everyone in this in this hearing room knows it's no. You're not willing to answer a question. Have you brought a case under this statute? Yes or no? As far as I know, we haven't. And what? Oh, what a tool this Garland is. He clearly looked the other way. He wanted the Republican Supreme Court justices to feel pain after the Dobbs leak. Even though it was illegal for those people to be protesting outside their homes, Garland wanted it, even though it was illegal. He disagreed with the Dobbs decision. He liked Roe v. Wade. The president liked Roe v. Wade. And those justices that overturned Roe v. Wade were going to feel pain. They were going to be scared. And Garland wanted that. At the very least, scared. It could have been worse. But every one of those po- protesters should not have been there. The Department of Justice should have filed charges against every protester outside all of those Supreme Court justices' homes. And Garland refused to do it. Now, he threw some bones out there. Say, well, we put some U.S. Marshals out there. That wasn't good enough. Clear the streets. Those protesters shouldn't be there. And it only serves to scare the heck out of these justices. And that was their intent. And that's how evil these people are. This guy Garland, he's still still angry he wasn't picked for the Supreme Court. And he's taking it out on the Republicans. And this is what we have as our Attorney General. And Christopher Wray is what we have as our FBI agent. And we really should be concerned about that. All right, let's talk about transgenderism. Let me just tell you my view on what a man and a woman is. And I, I take a biblical view of it. And I take a scientific view of it. Now, the Bible tells us that God created a man and God created a woman. So we ha- you have a, a binary choice between your sexes, man or woman. And science also tells us that your sex is either a man or a woman. So what could be wrong with that? We'll leave it to the progressives and the communists to try to infiltrate our whole concept of male and female. And I guess it was maybe 40, 50 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, uh, government forms started changing. They s- slowly started slipping in this term gender into all of our government forms. So previous to that, you know, you would if there were boxes to check, are you a man, are you a woman? And slowly but surely, they started moving this term gender into these documents. And some forms would have, what, uh, what sex are you, man or woman? What gender, man, woman, other? So it's all been this incremental march toward what we have today. And now it's just taken to the realm of serious evil, serious bizarreness, for lack of a better word. We're at the point where we're allowing our children to mutilate their bodies to coincide how they feel that day as far as their sex. And this is absolutely sick. And I just want to add to this. This is part of a political slash communist methodology in order to try to take over governments. They try to segment people into different races, different groups, and get people fighting with each other. Now, years ago, it was African-Americans with uh, an agenda. They were trying to have all people of color coalesce around African-Americans because they were the ones that were going to represent the people of color. Well, that didn't quite work out. 
Hispanics, they didn't want African-Americans to represent them. They're their own people. Asians, they didn't want African-Americans. Because you remember if you see on TV, oh, I represent blacks and people of color. No, you don't. Hispanics are moving toward the Republican Party. Asians are moving toward the Republican Party. So these African-Americans, that uh, so-called leaders, saying that they are speaking for all minorities, well, guess what? That didn't quite work out for you, huh, fella? So now they got to take it into another other area. So now they've got this LGBTQ alphabet. So now they're trying to segment people according to their gender. Now, what do you have? You got gay, lesbian. And, you know, here's, what, here's the interesting thing. There's a lot of gay and lesbian people that want nothing to do with these transvestites. And they resent the fact that they're being lumped in with, I don't know, transvestites, people that cross-dress, people that, all these weird forms. But that's, that's the latest thing for them. So this, there's an agenda there to try to separate us according to sex or, or how we feel that day. And this is what they're doing. And they're using their power right now over in the institutions that we have, the medical institution, pol- political institutions, to try to get the kids to mutilate themselves. But it's all because of their own political ends. They just want to continue to try to separate us according to a new lines or genders, whatever that is. And it's become really sick. Now, where did, did anybody ever forget the term gender dysmorphia? It's a mental issue. So you think about it now. They want us to give extra rights to people that have a mental disorder. It's called gender dysmorphia. And look, quite frankly, if you're an adult, you want to dress up as a girl, knock yourself out. But you're not going to get any special rights out of it. And I don't have to accept it. And I don't have to call you a, a girl. If you look like, if you're a guy dressed up as a girl, you don't have to demand that I call you a girl. I'm going to call you whatever I want. And like I said, you know, I went to grad school and I paid for grad school by working in some of the bars in New York City. And it's sometimes at certain times in the night, we'd get some transvestites that would walk in. And they were pleasant. You give them a beer or a whiskey or whatever. But they knew that they were screwed up. They knew that there was something wrong with them. Or they knew that their actions weren't normal. But they did it. And nobody really cared. But I think the problem that many people have is when it starts affecting children. And I think about this one show on TV. Speaking of gender dysmorphia, what was this show? It was uh, I Am Jazz about this kid that was transitioning, I think, from male to female or female to male. I can't figure it out. So he or she transitioned, and the show ended. Then they did a recent, uh, they said, well, what's she doing now? Well, she transitioned, and now she's like an extremely obese person. But apparently what the experts say, well, this is all about gender dysmorphia. You're never satisfied with what you are. So she wasn't, or he wasn't satisfied with his original sex, so they did an operation. They cut everything off and cut everything away child happened a few years later now now she's obese i guess she didn't like the way she looked as a skinny transsexual now she's just humongous but this is a mental disorder they're not happy with what they are now with that said what i want to do is i want to play some clips from jordan peterson jordan peterson is a psychologist either psychologist a psychiatrist he's got a phd Extremely bright guy. Some of you may have even heard of him. And I'm going to play some clips about his views on transgenderism. 
And it relates to Bill 16 up in Canada. He's a Can- he, he was educated. He's from Canada. He's from Alberta. And uh, I think he was educated at McGill University, one of the top universities in Canada. And he taught at Harvard. But I want to play a couple of clips. He can clearly tell you this story better than I can. And Bill 16 has to do with the federal government passed a law up in Canada that essentially enshrined the rights of transgender people. And it got to the point where it could be a criminal act if you misgendered a person. So say you saw a transvestite and you called him a she when it looked like a guy. Well, that could be criminal up in Canada. And Peterson spoke out about it. And let me play a couple of clips about his views on this. He's a really bright guy, really interesting guy. So if you ever get a chance, just Google his name, Jordan Peterson. And he's really got some interesting, interesting ideas, not just on transgenderism, but a lot of things. So let's go to the uh, first clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Do you think a trans woman is a woman? No. Why not? Because I think that women are capable, generally speaking, of having babies and they have female genitalia and they have an XX chromosome and, and I think the biological markers are relevant. It doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think that people should be treated with respect and dignity if they happen not to fit easily into a gender category. That's a different issue. Right. But, but it's a matter of definition and, and I actually think it's a foolish argument in some sense because what do you mean by real? Well, I mean, you've just clarified that, though. You, you, you don't think um, that a trans woman is a woman. And do you, do you think that that is what is behind or explains your opposition to this idea of a law mandating you to use a preferred no. pronoun is because you don't actually believe that that's the truth, that a trans woman is a woman and therefore you can't use that pronoun? No, that's not my argument at really? all. Really? Yeah, really. My yeah, argument is that the no, government shouldn't compel is. voluntary speech. No, but I know what your argument is, and no, you've made it very really clearly. It. No, but, but behind, that's exactly it. There's but the no motivation behind, behind, behind no motivation it. behind it. But you don't believe I wouldn't the put everything on my li- online in my life to take the stance I did unless I had thought that through very deeply. And I've thought it through very deeply. There aren't hidden motivations that have to do with some arbitrary prejudice against trans people. Okay. It's purely, pure and simply this. There's never been a time in English common law history where the government compelled speech and the Canadian government dared to do that. And that was unacceptable. And they masked it with this show of of compassion for the oppressed. And I don't buy it. Like as soon as you put those three concepts together in a sentence that says, I don't believe in the biological difference between the genders, you throw the meaning of all three of those words up into the air so far that no one can tell what you're talking about, including you. Yeah, and that's the goal, though, I think, a lot of the time. I think it's pretty- Oh, definitely, definitely. The goal, part of the goal is an all-out assault on the categorical structure. You're saying that trans activists no. could lead to the deaths of millions of people. What no, I'm doing? saying that the philosophy that drives their utterances is the same philosophy that already has driven us to the deaths of millions of people. Okay, tell us how that philosophy is in any way comparable. Sure, that's no problem. The first thing is, is that the philosophy presumes that group identity is paramount. That's the fundamental philosophy that drove the Soviet Union and Maoist China. And it's the fundamental philosophy of the left-wing activists. It's identity politics. It doesn't matter who you are as an individual. It matters who you are in terms of your group identity. 
And here's where it gets really disgusting in how it affects our children and what these people with agendas are doing to our children. You've got the medical professions that's making money off of mutilating children. You've got the educational system that is trying to manipulate children into something that they are not so they can be easier controlled. And then you got pure evilness. There are people out there that just want to take advantage of kids, just like pedophiles that want to take advantage of children. These people that want to mutilate children, they've got an evilness inside. Yeah. I was able to get him to mutilate himself, and now he's got to live the rest of his life mutilated. Believe it or not, there are some people that get off on that. And unfortunately, they're in our institutions. Now, if you ask Peterson and other psychiatrists, you have to understand that these people taking advantage of the fact that, look, a child doesn't know his sexuality. And even when a child starts to understand their sexuality, there's different levels of masculinity and femininity. For example, you've got, you've got boys and men that some are a little more effeminate than other men. They're still men. And you've got girls that, you know, they're tomboys. And that's what we used to call them. But you know what these school systems are doing today? Oh, you're a tomboy. Did you ever think about turning into a boy? We can get that done for you. Or you've got an effeminate boy in class who's a boy. But he's just a little more effeminate than... The other boys, teacher's going to pull them aside. Did you ever think about becoming a girl? And that's what's going on right now. Now, I'm simplifying it, but that's what's going on right now. Now, I'm going to play a clip about gender fluidity by Peterson. And, you know, he acknowledges that, you know, men, there were some effeminate men, there were some masculine women. And he's not saying that's bad. But what I think is bad is when you're grabbing these children that are showing certain traits and trying to change their gender physically as a result of this. So let's just go back to this clip and uh, then we'll come back and discuss. You know, if someone asked me, do I believe that there are gender fluid people? I would say yes. And I would say a man who's a young man who's gender fluid, I, I know what he's like temperamentally. He's high in agreeableness. He's high in neuroticism. So he has a feminine temperament. He's more interested in people than things. And he's extremely high in openness. And so his temperament is fluid. Mm-hmm. He's creative. And so he's one thing one day and one thing the next. And his fundamental temperament is tilted towards the feminine. But that doesn't mean he's not a man. Right, exactly. And the good news uh, here in the States, there are a lot of states that are moving to ban transgender surgery for children. With that said, I want to bring in a clip, and this is by Bill Maher. Even Bill Maher is saying that something's wrong here with this transgenderism for children. So let's go to the clip, and then we'll discuss. What do you think? I I mean, I think the trans community is asking for too much. Um, Again, the difference between liberal and woke. Uh, liberals are people who I think would say, uh, I certainly would, uh, trans is, of course, a real thing. You know, some people are just, you know, I don't they probably don't like this terminology, but born in the wrong body, whatever. The, 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 <laughs> the equipment doesn't match how you feel. Absolutely. And it's great we live in a time 
where people like that can freely live the lives they should live with all the dignity and protection of the law that we can afford them, like anybody else in society. I think that's the liberal point of view. The woke point of view is something very different, like, um, well, babies are born now and just jump ball, we don't know what they are. Uh, congratulations, you have a boy. Well, let's not be hasty. Uh, there's a penis that could be an indication of a male, but it's, it's really, uh, we'll find out later, and we can always get rid of it. And it's not wrong to have this discussion. This is some, something that's very new. Yeah. It's not to shut, the, to shut down debate with these words like phobia. You're phobic and you hate. We don't hate. There's no hate. It's not phobic. We're not afraid. We're just discussing something very new that involves children and what these interventions you're making have repercussions for the entire rest of their lives. And they're about their health, which I think should come first. Well, before we go for the week, I just want to talk about the Department of Energy and the FBI coming out and saying that the coronavirus likely came from the Wuhan lab. Now, there's a surprise. After all these months and months and months of the mainstream media, of the Democratic operatives, of Anthony Fauci saying, oh, no, this is just a conspiracy theory. Don't believe that. Well, guess what? It's true. And I like what the mainstream media is continuing to cover up for our institutions. I read an article that came out a couple of days later. It was from the AP. It's, you know, it's trying to mitigate the, you know, the damage to them. And it says here, the oh, Department of Energy said that the coronavirus likely came from a lab leak in Wuhan. And then they said, but their confidence was low. They had low confidence that it was a lab leak. So they had to add that in there. They were confident about it, but it was low confidence. It's all about covering up for our institutions. That's what the media is doing today. Now, the next question I want to know, and it's likely that this virus was amped up through a gain of function process. And you would think it makes sense that because this coronavirus lasted so long, it was probably amped up. It was probably made stronger by the Wuhan lab. And remember, after all this denial that Anthony Fauci made about Americans funding the Wuhan lab and gaining functions, it's likely that he lied. So time is not on the side of the Fauci's of the world, certain media pundits, because now it's a lab origins. Now we're going to find out about the vaccine and how they knew that the vaccine wasn't effective, yet they pushed it on the American people. They knew that the vaccine wasn't safe yet they lied about it, shutting down the economies, how they pushed that on the American people without any evidence or with evidence that it wasn't going to work. So we're all going to find this out. Time is on our side. Just remember that. In the end, we win. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to win. And with that said, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.